This is Neil Erwitz with the Center for New American Security. I'm here today with Elizabeth Rosenberg, the director of our Energy, Economics, and Security Program, and Alan Goldenberg, the director of our Middle East Security Program. We're talking today about Iran. Iran has been coming up a lot, particularly in the context of the JCPOA, the Iran nuclear deal. So, um, Elizabeth, let me start with you. Uh, on October 15th, the president is due to either certify or not certify that Iran is complying with uh, JCPOA. The theory is that he will not certify. What happens then? Well, it's in mid-October. Uh, that the president has this decision point and has to make a certification or not to Congress. Now, that is pursuant to a piece of legislation in ARA that Congress passed in 2015, and making that certification or not has no direct legal connection to the sustainability or the existence of the Iran nuclear deal, which is to say that if the president does not certify it doesn't have any immediate implication for the Iran nuclear deal. And the U.S.'s compliance with the nuclear deal, which involves uh, waiving a variety of sanctions, is something that the president has in place by issuing waivers periodically. There's 120-day waivers, 180-day waivers, and actually the 120-day waivers, the big ones for banking and for energy, were just renewed a couple of weeks ago by the president and by the administration. So uh, if at some point those waivers are canceled, which can happen by the president or by Congress, then the United States will no longer be in compliance with the deal. So if the president decides not to certify to Congress that Iran is in compliance with the Iran nuclear agreement, it opens up a 60-day window for leadership in either House of Congress to introduce a bill that will be considered under expedited procedures to reimpose sanctions on Iran. And if that happens, then clearly the United States is out of step with its own compliance with the nuclear deal. It's discretionary. Congress doesn't have to do that. They could do nothing. But in this political environment, it's pretty hard to think that Congress will sit on its hands and not take any action. Do you, but to, to clarify on that, do are there enough members of Congress who think that um, we are or, or Iran is complying with the deal, and any uh, not certifying would uh, would be political grandstanding and thus not want to uh, vote or not want to reimpose sanctions? So there's many members of Congress that are really unhappy with Iran's behavior regionally, its ballistic missile activity, its support for terrorism. Members of Congress don't have uh, what they have to look at as far as Iran's compliance with nuclear, uh, its nuclear uh, obligations include the reports that are uh, put forward by the IAEA. They have access to a report, much of which is confidential, produced by the administration for Congress uh, on this topic. So. Congress doesn't have its own independent group of uh, scrutinizers looking at Iran's nuclear um, uh, obligations and its compliance, which actually creates some challenges for members of Congress who want to have as much clarity as they can. But I will just say that though members of Congress are really unhappy with Iran's regional behavior, they have embraced by near unanimity an approach towards Iran policy that keeps in place 
the JCPOA and affirms its existence because Congress um, put in place a set of very tough sanctions on Iran this past summer when they passed a new bill that uh, keeps in place. It's harmonious with the JCPOA. It doesn't aim to dismantle it because it doesn't uh, reimpose new, uh, it doesn't renew nuclear sanctions that were taken off during the deal. Well, Alon, let me then turn to you. Um, Liz mentioned that a lot of members of Congress were very unhappy with how uh, Iran is behaving in the region. Should uh, the U.S. walk away from the deal, what would the regional implications be? And then, really, what would the global implications be as well? Well, sure. I mean, Neil, first, I think it's important to recognize Members of Congress might be upset with how Iran is behaving in the region. The Trump administration might not like Iran. People might not like the nuclear agreement. But by pretty much all accounts, Iran is complying with the nuclear agreement. The nuclear agreement was never about you know, Iran's regional behavior. It was about the challenge caused by Iran's nuclear pro uh, program. And so the real global implication here is that if we walk away, but nobody else agrees that Iran has actually violated the agreement, we're not going to get a better deal. The administration is arguing, walking away on two grounds. They're saying, one, this is a big problem because Iran's regional behavior and support for, for various proxy groups and extremists is a problem, and we need to find ways to counter it. But it's not clear how walking away from the nuclear agreement improves that. If anything, you just need to find other tools, military, intelligence, ways to actually push back on Iran's behavior. But two, the administration says, well, the big problem in the agreement is that uh, there's sunset provisions. So certain elements of the agreement, not all, but certain mm -hmm. elements start to expire after 10 or 15 years. And so the administration's argument is then Iran will be able to get a nuclear weapon and we need to find a way to solve that problem and re renegotiate it. I agree that's a problem. I agree it needs to be dealt with. I actually think probably it's best dealt with with an add-on agreement or something else. Um, but that's a crisis for a few years from now. The, the rationale that let's trigger that crisis today as opposed to in the future uh, in a way and in, in a way where we have zero leverage or very little leverage because nobody else agrees with us. The international community doesn't agree with us, which without the international community, you don't have unity for sanctions. You don't have unity for all the things that brought Iran to the table in the first place. So, you know, my bottom line on this is we're going to walk away. We're going to be isolated if we do, and in that scenario, we're not going to get a better deal. We're going to get a worse deal. So, um, Liz, one of the things, to the folks who work with you in, in your program pointed out was that uh, Iran actually hasn't benefited that much economically from uh, the, the lifting of sanctions. Um, can you expand a little bit on that and explain maybe how that limits our leverage here? Right. Well, I think that last part of your question is the most important one, our leverage. So one of the reasons that uh, why people who are critical of the deal or who advocate for walking away for it from away for it, uh, want to do so is because they are interested in generating more leverage to try and advance all of the U.S. aims vis-a-vis -vis Iran, not just nuclear ones. Or they want a better nuclear deal. They want a deal that covers a variety of other areas. Funding for Hezbollah. And for example, addressing um, ballistic missiles and support for terrorism, human rights abuses, regional destabilization, all of it. But the United States was able to with a coalition of international allies, including Europeans and Asians, um, 
all of Iran's major oil customers as a resource economy to collectively put in place the economic pressure that brought Iran to the negotiating table in order to make this agreement, this Iran nuclear agreement the, that with these uh, nuclear concessions that Iran made. Without international partners, the United States won't be able to create the conditions to impose greater pressure on Iran and achieve a better deal. So as Alon just mentioned, the rest of the international community is not of the mind that Iran is violating its commitments under the nuclear accord. The IAEA hasn't suggested that it's in uh, material breach, that there's massive problems. And uh, by and large, uh, though people may be unhappy, as I mentioned, members of Congress may be unhappy, and others, with Iran's regional behavior, there is no major upswelling of concern about breaching this deal. So if the United States chooses to go it alone on sanctions, on a pressure strategy with Iran, and doesn't have international allies with it, it won't be able to cultivate the kind of overwhelming economic pressure that helped to bring Iran to the negotiating table the first time around. So that's a massive concern for the United States and doesn't put the United States in a position to better advance its interests. And Neil, can I hop in here? Sure. A couple of points. One is the administration's case that's made thus far, most clearly through a speech by Nikki Haley a few weeks ago, uh, was that you know, Iran is in violation of the spirit of the agreement. But if you actually look for real evidence of an Iranian violation, it's not there. The administration has no case to make. The spirit of the agreement is a type of argument when you, that you make when you don't have evidence of a real problem. Because if you had evidence of a real problem, God knows this administration would have put it out there and would have put it out there very clearly. Um, the other thing is, it's not just on, on this international unity question where I totally agree with Liz, it's not just that there's disagreement over whether Iran is violating, not violating. There's also this, the entire world agreed that Iran having a nuclear weapon was a bad idea, including Russia, including China, so everybody can get together on that. Iran's support for Hezbollah, Iran's support for Bashar al-Assad, the Russians are with him on many of those things. There is no unanimity on the idea that, that this is bad for the region and bad for the globe. And so it's going to be very hard to ever build an international coalition uh, to counter that particular problem. You're going to have to use different tools. And we have those other tools you know, that don't require as much international support, whether it's covert action, military action, intelligence. Those things don't require building the same kind of international unity as is a broad global sanctions regime. Well, it sounds broadly then like you both think pulling out of JCPOA is probably not the best decision. Um, is there any way that the administration failing to certify that Iran is complying does not inexorably lead to pulling out of JCPOA? Well, as I when I started out saying that not certifying doesn't have an automatic or direct link to pulling out of JCPOA. I think it may still be possible to stick to the deal, although you're playing with fire at that point. And it's an incredibly risky situation, and it will do enormous damage to U.S. credibility with its closest allies and with potential negotiating partners. And the only way to stick to the deal there is if sanctions relief continues to be waived 
and Congress doesn't act to reimpose those sanctions. It could be that after making a point about this, which has certainly already been made by the president many times in discussing his uh, disregard and, um, and, and animosity towards this deal, uh, it's possible that there are a variety of other things that the administration and Congress can do to advance their goals vis-a-vis -vis regional concerns, which don't have to do with scrapping the agreement. So, and that could look like more focus on deterring and uh, constraining IRGC activity, uh, taking further action on uh, Hezbollah and its freedom of action and movement and ability to support itself and conduct its activities, and others. There are other things that the administration and Congress can do um, to advance its actual priorities, not just making a rhetorical point about the deal and it not being the best deal possible, um, which would certainly damage U.S. credibility, alliance relationships, economic leverage, and the like. It also it depends on what the president really wants. Mm -hmm. Does he really want to kill the nuclear agreement, or does he just want to renegotiate it? And can he, after a while, not certifying, say, okay, I, I'm satisfied if he gets an agreement from Congress and he gets support from international partners that we're going to start looking at additional agreements and ways to improve this deal, and that's going to take a long time. And in the meantime, we're going to continue to waive the sanctions. He could do that. You could also have – there's two textbook examples in Congress of what, what might happen. Uh, one is the health care debate. The other is the, uh, the Dreamers debate, the DACA debate. Uh, in the case of DACA, what the president did was first he said, well, I'm not going to support this through executive order anymore. But then he said, Congress should act. And he put it on Congress. And he's probably going to do the same thing here on the nuclear agreement, put it on Congress. And so maybe he comes out with some kind of reasonable middle ground approach. But he no longer has to be the one saying Iran is abiding by the nuclear deal because he just he doesn't like it. He's campaigned against it. He feels pinned in by, by his uh, by his base. Um, the other on healthcare is one important thing, and Liz talk, began to talk about this. You know, the expedited process uh, by which sanctions are reimposed means it's, there is no filibuster. That's part of the way the legislation is written. So it's only going to require 50 members in the Senate. So you could come down again to a situation where something passes the House uh, on reimposing sanctions. Good chance that happens. And then it comes down to the small group of members in the Senate, the moderate Republicans in the middle and what they do. So we might again be hanging on every word from Susan Collins and John McCain and Lisa Murkowski and, Lisa Murkowski and, and this group. And so, you know, they might decide, you know, fully reimposing sanctions is not the answer. Um, and interestingly, even had uh, Ed Royce, the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, who's no fan of the agreement, actually very much opposed the agreement, saying last week to Jake Tapper that we should be vigorously enforcing the deal. So, um, it is definitely not a done deal one way or the other, but it's, it's, I think, Liz, I totally agree with the basic premise. Like, playing with fire is the mm -hmm. right term for what's going on here. Don't Light, know how it'll actually Lighting happen. matches around kerosene. Yes. Um, so let's all agree then to talk about it on, on October 15th if the match is lit. Or maybe before. Or, or the 14th. <laughs> we'll see. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it as always. Yep. Thanks.